friends, future friends, haters, and ex-lovers. Welcome to another episode of Crimes of the Heart. I'm your host, Rory Uphold, and today we're going to be doing things a little differently. Every couple of episodes, I will have a special guest that is an expert in his or her field. They're coming onto this show to give us practical advice that we can use whether we are single and dating, in a relationship, or we've been married for 20 years. This could be a sex therapist, a divorce attorney, or in today's case, a cybersecurity expert. That's right. Today, Marilee Ashley is going to walk us through the ins and outs of how to protect ourselves online and IRL. And next week, we will be back to our regularly scheduled program. Before we jump into it, I just want to note that we did record this via Zoom because Marilee Ashley is on the East Coast, so occasionally the audio does cut out. She also had a dog in the office, so you might hear some little scruffles and some barks. And lastly, we use pretty binary language, and I just want to make a note of that because I have primarily dated cis heterosexual men, so this is coming from my perspective and my point of view. And I wouldn't want anybody to be put off by the language that we use because, of course, everything that we are saying applies to all people, regardless of your pronouns. And with that said, enjoy today's episode, and we'll be back with our regularly scheduled program next week. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I love that you're going to walk us through all the ways in which we can and and probably should be protecting ourselves from the first date to divorce. You have a lot of experience in this field because you were in a relationship that you thought was going to be with Mr. Forever, right? And then it turns out that your dream relationship turned into a nightmare. Yes, I didn't have my Cinderella happily ever after with this person that I trusted and loved at the time. And very quickly, I went from thinking my life was going one direction to me realizing my life had been sort of a lie. And they accused me of recording the conversation on the phone. And I had never done that before. And I thought, why would the person accuse me of this when I haven't done it? And that was my light bulb moment. Ding, ding, ding. They're doing it to me. And I always say, listen to your intuition. And from there, I just found weirder and weirder stuff. I found bugs, listening devices. I found microphones in the walls. It got very scary very quickly. When I called the police and the police came, they said that there was nothing they could do and to try to have the person hit me. And I thought that is the craziest thing I have ever heard anybody say and did not take the officer's advice. But they didn't even understand the law's regarding what is legal to do and what is not legal to do. And I'd kind of grown up thinking the police are here to protect you. And I knew it wasn't always the case, but you think, you know, they're here to help. But when they tell you you're crazy and you're delusional, well, maybe I am. And you start to wonder about that. So I was going through this and no one would listen to me or take me seriously. And I kept saying, I am a smart person. (laughs) I know it sounds strange, but what I'm saying is true. I just had a feeling that there was something going on with my car. I just had my intuition, always listen to your intuition. So I took it to the car dealership and they said, we get asked to do this all the time. We never really find anything. I said, please, just for me, do it. 
And they came back and they said there was a device that was actually on the inside shell of the car hooked up to the electrical wiring. So it would not require a battery change because most GPS trackers require batteries. And the only reason they recognized it to begin with was because I specifically asked them to look for that. So that happened. And then things just continued to progress. That was probably the lowest moment of my life because I felt like I had zero support. And so I was forced to do all of this research on my own because there was no one there to help me. And there weren't a lot of blogs or resources. So I just kind of started putting the pieces together. And sometimes you have to go through the worst experience in order to really figure out who you really are and what you're meant to do. And so I try to think of this as a positive thing that happened to me and that I'm using this opportunity to try and educate others. Yeah. Now you're able to take what happened to you and arm me and everybody listening with information that could potentially save their life. And it happens a lot more than people realize So I've tried to turn this really terrible, horrible experience into a positive one and advocate for people because there's a big disconnect between cybersecurity laws and what people are really going through. It's been nice to be able to educate people on these things and try to break security down in a way that everybody can understand it in non-big tech words. Because learning about cybersecurity can be kind of scary. But we're going to do it today. We're going to do it today. Yes. Okay. So let's start at the beginning. Dating apps. What are some of your tips for women or men who are on dating apps looking to meet someone? Personally, I'm a big advocate of not using your real name. And then I'm also a big advocate for not using your real number. But I would love to know how our listeners can be proactively protecting themselves at the swipe stage. Let me ask you this. What type of name do you choose and why? And then will you tell them your real name before you go on the date with them? Or what is your personal policy? If you don't mind sharing. I don't mind sharing. I will have to change it after this because I'm about to burn my name. But I use RJ. So it is the first initial. J has nothing to do with my name whatsoever. And I found that a lot of guys, it's like 50-50. Some people actually think that's my name and some people know that it's not my name. And I don't tell them until we've FaceTimed or I've met them. I think that is excellent. And that's one thing people do not realize that if you share your full name, the first thing people can do and Google will Google you, but then you can look someone up on LinkedIn, find their place of employment. Then you can look at publicly available information online and find their address. And I've seen that happen so many times where they think there's no reason to think that's going to happen to you if it hasn't happened to you and because you wouldn't do that to another person. So it's very easy to not understand the risks of giving out your full name unless you've been through a situation like that. I'd been talking to a man who did not use his name and we go to meet up and I say, Hey, I'm going to actually need your first and last name if we're going to meet because I need to actually Google you and just make sure that you are who you say you are. And he said, not a problem. This is my first and last 
last name. I already know yours, Rory Uphold. And oh. I said, what? And he said, well, it was really easy to put together. You had facts on your dating profile. And I Googled that with your name and I you popped right up. And that's what changed it for me. Because this was a person that I was talking to who was so specific about his privacy. But when it came to mine, he so quickly found out who I was. Exactly. I had a similar experience. I was on a first date and the person was critiquing my family's business website because they had looked up prior to our date. So that was that was a new one. Wow. Look, some people are okay with this. And if that's fine, then this really doesn't apply to you. But I think that cybersecurity is just security. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to be trying to make their lives more secure. Yes. And then the other thing with your picture, so you have the perfect background right now because there's nothing identifiable, but when people would have college degrees, maybe in the background, if there are street signs behind them, people can look at that and figure out where you live very, very quickly. So I like to tell people, try to choose neutral backgrounds. And then the other thing to really think about is the phone number. So if I have your real phone number right now, I can link that to your home address. Wow. I just need the phone number. So some people use a Google voice number. There are apps where it's free. I just did beta testing for a new app called Cloaked. And I really like it because you can just generate a number very quickly. And I like to do that app pharmacies as well, or grocery stores, anywhere where there's a rewards card. Because in today's age, I don't really want people to know if I'm buying tampons or certain things. All of that information is out there being sold by data brokers to marketing companies. So I like to use a throwaway number for that. I personally use TextNow. There are a bunch of different apps, like Ashley said, that you can Google that give you a fake phone number. It looks normal, but the person then doesn't have your real number. And if something goes sideways, it gives me a little bit more peace of mind knowing that it's harder for them to figure out where I live. I agree. Yes. Isn't it crazy that we have to think about that? For example, I will not open the door for Uber Eats ever. And guy friends think that it's crazy that I don't open the door. And I said, I live alone. I don't think that that's crazy at all. Okay, so flipping that on its head, how do we use some of those little pieces of information to actually find out about our potential dates? Make sure you do as much research as you can before you actually go on the date. Okay, so let's get into that. Google their name. If you have their real name, you could do that. Or if you live in Los Angeles and you know part of their name and that maybe they told you they are an electrical engineer, you can put what you know in quotation marks within Google and do a search that way and see what pops up. You can do a reverse image search, go to Google image and upload the picture and see if there are any hits. That way there's something called 10 T-I-N-E-Y-E.com. That's another reverse image search engine as well as Yandex. And I don't know if Bing has one, but there are a few different sites you can do and they'll give you different results. So I always suggest using more than one if you don't get a hit. So you can see if you see anything with that, 
let's say you are on Hinge, Tinder, Bumble, whatever. You screenshot your prospective dates photos Mm -hmm. and then you run it through these search engines. And if a hit comes up, it might be linked to an Instagram account, a Twitter account. It's also a very effective way to find out if you're being catfished. Yeah, you want to make sure that they are who they say they are. You want to make sure the information matches. You can even go so far as in some states, you're able to look up their voter registration status and if they've voted and what party. So if that's important to you, the internet is free. Google is free. You could even look at property tax records, put the person's name in and find their home. Well, is there a spouse on there that you don't know about? I mean, that's kind of the level of due diligence some people will do before they go on dates with people because they've been burned in the past. Wow. Property records. Yeah, that would take me less than five minutes to do. If I got a hit right away, if people are asking, well, how do I not have my home address? You can put it in an LLC or some people go through trusts to hide their properties, but that's a lot of work that requires money. Not everybody can do that. Okay. So we're using not our real names on dating apps. We're not using our real phone numbers. We are doing some due diligence and research on the people that we're meeting to make sure that they say that they are who they say they are. Mm -hmm. Where should we meet? What about first dates? Where should we go? Not hiking. I know it sounds romantic and cozy, but please don't go into the woods with a stranger you just met on the internet. I always say that you should let somebody know, a friend know that you trust that you're going on the date. I'm going with so-and-so and have a code phrase. So your friend knows, uh-oh, something's really wrong or little code phrases that you can text them throughout the night or a certain emoji means everything's going great. Certain emoji is you can go to bed. I'm fine. Just kind of like a code. You have a shorthand. Let me repeat this back to you and tell me if I got this accurate. You're suggesting have a friend who knows one, where you're going and who you're going with. And two, have a shorthand with that person so that you're checking in with them along to let them know if things are going well or not. But then also have a phrase that's in your back pocket that seems innocuous enough that you could use in front of your date slash potential predator Mm -hmm. that would alert your friend to know, oh, shoot, they're in trouble. Exactly. Here's the thing. The best spies blend in with everybody else. And that's what you need to do from a behavior standpoint, because they're going to sense energy. You just need to try to make it as normal as possible. Do you share your location with people? I personally don't because of personal insecurities, but you could share your location with someone. There's various ways to to keep track of yourself if you want to use technology. Okay. So before we move on from like during the talking phase, if someone is trying to be chivalrous and suggests sending a car for you before the date or after the date, how do you handle that? I always think honesty is kind of the best policy, but in a nice way, I would say something like, you know, it's so kind of you to offer. And if they really want to, they can Venmo you for the cost of the car, but you need to have your own Uber and you need to look at the license plate of the person who's coming. Okay. So don't do it. Don't do it. I think the same goes for guys or girls who want to pick me up or drop me off after a date, even in their own car. Because again, it's still my location, my home, even if it's not where you live and you're getting dropped off on your street, they now know the street. And then it's pretty easy 
process of elimination to figure out exactly where you live. I did want to talk about nudes. I have a policy for myself. I use the same nudes. And I let guys know that these are not originals, but you get what you get, my guy. And that is so that I have basically come to terms with the fact that if those were to get out, I wouldn't love it, but it wouldn't devastate me in a way that hundreds of photos or different guys are having different ones. But I also have heard of keeping track of who you send your your nudes to by, by putting little numbers or little emojis in the corners of them and keeping a list so I know, okay, I sent Bill this shot of my right tit or whatever. And he has a number left to small three in a place where I know. And so if that ever gets leaked, I know it came from Bill. Do you have any other tips or tricks in terms of nudes? So one, you have to know that there is not one way that I can prevent. Once it's out there, it's out there. So I just want people to kind of know that. So let's say you want to send a picture. Maybe you could do it without your face in it. Another thing is to think about birthmarks or tattoos or other identifiable information in the background. And so you have to keep that in mind. The other thing is the metadata on your picture. So if you don't know what metadata is, we're going to take a trip back to the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. So when you take a picture, there's a timestamp on the back and it says taken with an iPhone or Android or this type of camera on this date, this time it has the GPS coordinates. It has the GPS coordinates. I just want to repeat that for everyone. So if I'm taking a nude in my home and I've gone to the links that I have to try and buy it in a trust or an LLC to keep that information private, and then I send that nude to someone who looks up the metadata of that photo, they now have the GPS coordinates of my home. Please continue. Please continue. (laughs) So... I don't want people to think they're going to be looking at your Instagram pictures right now and be able to find your GPS coordinates because that's not the case. Most social media companies have been um, proactive about masking that. But the other thing you can do is you can take a screenshot of the picture and that will wipe the data or you can go to Google metadata remover and you can run it through that and make sure that there is no metadata on there. Okay. So let's say I take a new in my house, like we've just talked about, are you suggesting that when I screenshot it, I need to be outside of my house or just any screenshot will wipe the metadata? Just if you screenshot the picture you took, Mm -hmm. it will wipe it and then save it. So basically, if you're going to send nudes, never send an original, always screenshot it first. Mm -hmm. Great. I would completely wipe it. There are apps that can actually go in and remove everything. But this is the thing that a lot of people do not understand about technology. I get so mad because it's like most people would have no idea. Could you throw out one or two options for people to use in terms of wiping metadata? If you just go to the app store and look up EXIF, E-X-I-F, remover or metadata, M-E-T-A, data remover, you can do that. And they will have different reviews for for different ones. There are ways you can do it online if you don't want to download an app. And then there are ways you can download an app to do it for you. Great. That's a a very important thing for people to realize that the information behind the picture tells the story along with the picture, a separate story. 100%. If I take a nude and I upload it, 
to Instagram and I don't post it, but I save it as a, as a photo, like I re-download it. Is that a shortcut into wiping metadata or do not suggest doing that? I would not. I mean, theoretically you could, but now you're involving Instagram in, in all of this. I guess I'm saying I wouldn't make like a new TikTok video of myself oh, and no. have them privates. You know what I mean? Because if my account would get hacked, they're going to see all of the drafts. <laughs> all your drafts too. So that's another reason to have safe passwords and then two-factor authentication on top of the safe password. And, you know, just because someone says that they have hacked you doesn't mean they actually did. In fact, never click those links. Yes. If somebody says click here, that's the number one thing to never do. Never click on a link that you do not know because that's the biggest way to get a spyware or malware on your device. So never click that. They could even lie and say, I have a nude of you, I got into your account and got the nude. And then I won't share it if you give me one other nude. And then the thing is, okay, well, they will give one nude thinking that will leave them alone. And it progressively gets worse. So lots of people are talking on Instagram or texting or Snapchat, but is there a safer thing that they could be messaging or flirting on? I would actually recommend something like Signal where it's an encrypted messaging app and you can even make things disappear after a certain amount of time if you'd like. But that is a much safer platform instead of using something like iMessage or text message. Is that because all of the messages and photos and images get stored? Yes. If you are... Uh, if you're using iMessage, they will be on iCloud or they would be stored on your phone where this is encryption. It uses end-to-end encryption and will keep that more private. Got it. Okay. So that would also be the way if you wanted to send nudes, you should do it via signal. Yes. Send nudes via signal. <laughs> what an ad. <laughs> I know. Feet pics via signal. <laughs> Oh, feet pics. Yes. I had to get some of mine off the internet. You had to get your feet pics off the internet. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. How how did you find them on the internet? Oh, I was on WikiFeet and I just didn't want to be on WikiFeet. There's no shame against people with a foot fetish. I just didn't want to be on it. And so I asked to have myself removed and they did, thankfully. That had to be very violating. I guess because I came up on the internet, my idea of what is violating is pretty broad. So let's say we've made it to boyfriend, girlfriend stage, right? I know you talk a lot about passwords. So now let's just pretend we're at a place in our relationship where we do trust each other. We do love each other. But you would suggest no, no matter what, don't share your password. So many people have the same password for everything. And then that can be a nightmare in its own, right? Because if you're using one password, so I've had this happen so many times where there's a breakup and the guy will lock the woman out of the Gmail account. And then during the Google's account recovery process, you have to know when the account was created. But I suggest keeping that in case you ever have to use it, because if you don't have that, they can't really privilege you. And that's a very difficult process. So then why don't you give us some tips and tricks for passwords? Try not to repeat the same password. I like to use a password manager because it will just create random ones for you. And then you can sync it cr across devices. So if you have Dashlane on your phone, you can have it on your desktop and you just have to remember one master password and then it will fill in everything for you. So that's what I like to do. And then a lot of people always say, well, why do that when my iPhone phone will save it. 
well. If your advice gets stolen, all of those passwords are out there as well, but this will also keep them encrypted. So that means that even like Dashlane or LastPass or the password company, they can't even get that information with, with your password. So you have to remember your master password, but I really recommend them. But you also would recommend not giving your password to your significant other. Right, right. It's just a policy I have. I don't share passwords with anybody. And you know, that's just a firm boundary you can have. And that's an easy way to explain it. Just I don't share passwords with anybody. And I think nowadays, most people are starting to stand that. And if the person has a problem with that, that's a red flag. Like You need to run. And there are ways you can share a password for streaming platform, but make it completely unique and make it so that they could not trace it back to financial accounts, that it's just being used for what it's going to be used for. Or your email account or or your socials, if that's important, keeping those separate. Because I think, didn't you run into that problem? I did. Yes. Yeah. About every one of my accounts was compromised from my Mercedes GPS. They were back on that account. My airline miles account, that was an interesting one. And then my identity was also used to open a person's phone account. It's an interesting story because a collections agency called them and said that I owed Verizon $5,000. And they said, can you verify your social security number? I'm like, ma'am, I'm sorry. I'm not giving my social security number over the phone. I don't know who you are, who you say you are. And I don't think she was expecting that response. (laughs) I'm like, well, you could just say you're from somebody to try to scam me. How can you prove your identity? I don't have a Verizon. And she finally told me what was going on. And she said, okay, do you recognize any of these phone numbers? And she told me the phone number. And I said, yes, I recognize that phone number. And it was an ex person. An ex. Okay. Yeah. So I called Verizon. They were very helpful, deemed it as fraud, gave me all the evidence. I took it to the police department here and they looked into it. They said that the account had been originally opened in Maryland. So that jurisdiction would have to prosecute. So I kept contacting the police and they never wrote me back. And I had all of the evidence right there, but if it crossed state lines, you could contact theoretically the FBI. And if you're not being taken seriously by the police in your town, you can actually call the prosecutor's office. So I think that's a great tip for people out there. If you have been trying unsuccessfully to have your voice heard. So if you are married, what do you do about not sharing passwords? You could each have your own password manager and there are family plans on different password managers. You could share passwords for things like 401ks or joint accounts. Something else that happens a lot of times is one partner will be in charge of paying the bills online. So they have the credentials for those accounts and then they will use that against the partner who wasn't doing that. So even if you're not the one paying bills and you completely trust your partner, make sure you have access to those credentials. Also with your security questions, when it's like, what was your first make and model of car? Those types of questions. What's your mom's maiden name? Lie on those because if there's a date breach, one, all of those security questions can potentially be out. But then two, if I am the victim of intimate partner violence, they would know all of those questions very easily and then they could get back into my accounts. 
So I tell people never use your real answers, but then always I have to have a disclaimer because I would forget you need to write those answers down and you can put them in a safety deposit box if they're financial accounts or if you have a safe at home or you could have it on a flash drive. But I like to always tell people don't use your fan, your dead dog or your high school mascot. <laughs> yeah. So what about making a sex tape? Uh, what about it? <laughs> Well, we've talked about protecting nude photos and, you know, like you said, once it exists, it exists. And there, this is not a judgment on what people do. I mean, I've never made a sex tape that has a lot more to do with my own insecurity of looking absolutely bonkers. Um, but I I also am a firmly never say never. So I'm sure that day is coming pun intended, but (laughs) If you have tips for how to create a safer sex tape, Mm -hmm. I would love to share that with our audience. If it were me, I would have a separate device that was just used for that, whether it be camera, camcorder, or have the tape on a separate flash drive. And that's how you're going to store it. Even when you share it with the with the person, I think you really have to be specific. And, you know, if the person can't be an adult and talk about what should be obvious security concerns about if that tape were to be leaked, if they're giving you a hard time, that's not the person you want to be making the tape with. And that's a red flag to kind of run. Yeah. So when you say have a separate device, do you mean like a third iPhone or phone or a... If it were me, I would definitely have a separate burner phone and use that or a camcorder, like a separate device and have it on there. And then you can put it on a flash drive separately, but don't have it on your main phone account or attached to your Apple ID or anything like that. Because that could easily get hacked. Right. That could easily get hacked. And then that's how somebody would have a free sex tape of insert person here. Okay. Well, that's, that's helpful to know. Have a conversation about consent and expectations and then do that on a separate device and make sure that you're storing it in a place that isn't the cloud. Right. The cloud does not exist. Well, it does exist, but it can easily be hacked. Um, and it was, and I had several friends that were actually affected by the hack. So let's say you unfortunately find yourself the victim of being hacked or the victim of a retaliatory ex, revenge porn, a situation where your photos or your videos that are private are now public. Mm -hmm. What can these people do to try and mitigate the damage? So first thing, look up the revenge porn laws in your state and you can definitely go the legal route if you want to because it is a crime in most, most states. As far as getting them removed, so if it was Pornhub, for example, you could request that it be taken down. And usually they will say, okay, because they don't want to deal with it and move on. Same with Google, you can go through and request that they remove it from their search results. But you really kind of have to go from place to place to place where it could be. And if it's on one site, it's probably going to be on another and it easily could take a lot of time. Now there's different ways you can ask to have photos or videos 
was removed. But if it is a nude that you took or a sex tape that you took, technically you are the copyright owner. And if somebody has uploaded that against your will, it's also a copyright violation Mm -hmm. because you are the rightful owner of said material. So that is when you can look up a DMCA takedown notice. That was what I would Google in order to, to do that. But also, are there any individuals or websites that can help aid victims. Yeah, Badass Army. It's uh, badassarmy.org. It's a nonprofit to support victims of revenge porn. They're a great group of experts so they can help. Let's move on to the gnarlier side of things. We started dark. Let's get darker. Let's talk about tips for marriage, but also divorce. You have unfortunately experienced a lot of the gnarlier things with one of your exes about getting bugged, having your internet compromised, having recording devices placed in your home, tracking devices on your car. If you start to feel like that is something that's happening to you, what do you do? If you feel that something's off, it's probably off and people ignore their subconscious too much. And we let our front brain take or frontal lobe take over and try to talk us out of it, but listen to your gut. So hidden cameras and listening devices are so small. If you're listening and you look at your iPhone, you can see the little pinhole camera there. That's how tiny cameras can be now. So they can commonly be found in things like electrical outlets. They can be in vases, smoke detectors. That's a common place that people will put cameras and you can buy what's called a GSM detector. It's like a bug detector and that can help find it. Then you can download Bluehound and it will show you all of the Bluetooth devices in your vicinity. So let's say you lose your AirPods, for example, like it can show you where those are, but it will show you, you know, somebody would have some device using Bluetooth. You could see that as well. I had a friend of mine who was dating a guy, very well-respected guy who hit a camera in her home. It's funny how they always seem to be these well-respected people and their images of utmost importance and then stuff like that happens. And was watching her for months illegally. Yes. Yeah. It's very violating. And that's the other thing. If you know you're being watched or listened to, you want to just grab it and throw it. And, you know, a lot of times you've been looking for it and you found it. What do you do with it? But try try your best not to disturb it if you can. And to document it, like you said, and if you can get the police there. Yes. Obviously this is like case by case, because like you said, sometimes situations can be very contentious and right. your safety depends on keeping the status quo. So sometimes you might need to just play along with it. You know, it's there and you notice it and, you know, Know, don't disturb it and just know you're being watched. Let's see what else with documenting evidence. If you have evidence of something and you want to take a picture, but then you're, you're scared that the person will see it on your phone, you can download an app called Hunchly, H-U-N-C-H-L-Y. Actually have an app specifically for victims of domestic violence. And so you can put all of your information there and then delete it from your phone. And it preserves all of the metadata because you want to save all of that. And you can send it to in a zip file to whomever you want yourself, your attorney, the police, and then they have all of the evidence right there. You can even add notes. So I really recommend that. So Hunchly, 
Yes. I've heard about being able to like have an internet browser that is secretive. Is that what's that? Oh, so you could do like private browsing mode, but then at the same time, you can go back in your Google history and look at your cookies and you need to make sure you clear all of your cookies or they will be able to see where you've been. So if you're looking up domestic violence shelters or divorce attorneys, probably don't want that person to see that. So you can go in your Google settings to cookies and your history and you need to delete all of that. And you can also use safe browsing mode or if you need a more secure browser, download DuckDuckGo. I also recommend a VPN because that will kind of jumble all all of the internet traffic up so people can't look at your internet traffic like they wouldn't be able to make sense of it. Okay. So let's say I am currently in a really toxic domestic abuse situation and I don't know what my first step is. Think about maybe using a separate device if you could go to the library and use a computer if you needed to. Maybe you have a family or friend that would let you use their device and do searches there. That would probably be the best option. Then the next best option is to delete your history, do private mode. How do I get to private browsing mode? Are you wanting for your computer or for... Let's do our cell phone. Okay. Open Chrome. And then from Chrome, you will go to new tab, hit the plus sign, and then new in Cognito tab and you can open that and then it says what it will and will not save and that's why I talked about it's incognito in the way that it will disguise the cookies but you would still need a VPN because they can see what website it's leaving your computer and it has to go somewhere which a VPN you can get apps you can put a VPN app on your phone so exactly yes I guess the way to start would be to get a VPN there are a million options a million um, options Nord VPN is good private PIA private internet access is good start with them and then go from there. I actually had somebody very, very close to me. Their computer was hacked by an ex-husband and they were intercepting every piece of information that ever came onto their computer with malware. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that person just ended up getting a different computer because they had the means to do that. But it was very scary for a long time. And if you have been hacked. Sometimes it's to the point where you need to get a new phone number, a new phone, new Apple ID, new everything. That's unfortunately what I had to do. I had to throw away a computer that was six months old because it just could not be trusted anymore. Is there something you can do to check if you have malware on your computer like that? Or There is, but at the end of the day, if somebody wants in there, there are always what are called man-in-the-middle attacks or backdoor entrances. Don't look at your home screen, but go into your actual settings, like so settings, and then go down and look at your apps. So there isn't something called CYDIA because in order to put a lot of malware on iPhones, you have to do something called jailbreak it. So if that's on there, that would be used to jailbreak it and it wouldn't show up on your home screen. If if you think you're being hacked, the first thing to do is like seriously go to your Gmail settings or your social media settings and see if there are any devices logged in that shouldn't be there because people are going to do the easiest thing first. I'm not going to set up some sophisticated man in the middle attack when I could just get in through your email. So check that first and then go up accordingly. 
And then if you're going through a divorce or a bad situation, your phone needs to be with you at all times because all it takes is somebody to have your phone, plug something in and they can get all of your text messages, everything off of your phone. Yeah. Wow. Oof. It's terrifying. People are creepy. (laughs) People are creepy is the theme of this episode. And hopefully today we gave you something to think about or some tips and tricks to help protect you along the journey of finding Mr. and Mrs. Right or right now. Definitely. Um, So if people want more of you, how can they contact you, find you, learn more about your educational cybersecurity videos on TikTok? I am merely Ashley on TikTok, M-E-R-E-L-Y, Ashley, or on Instagram, merely Ashley at gmail.com. Great. Awesome. I hugely appreciate you giving us so much of your time and your knowledge today. And I really hope that everybody learned as much as I did. I hope it wasn't too scary. I appreciate you having me on and I love your podcast. I was listening to a few episodes this morning. So congratulations on that. Well, I will see you online. All right. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Hey guys, if you have a question that you would like to submit or you have a story that you would like to share, I would love to hear from you. And remember, everything is 100% anonymous. And if you like this episode, please consider liking and leaving a review. They really do help. Thanks again for listening and see you next Tuesday. (laughs) 